by Riverside. Welcome, everybody, to Garage Takes Season 3, Episode 15, I believe this is. Uh, joined here by my co-host, Brant. want to welcome everybody. If you have not done so already, make sure you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're getting that audio file, and do us a huge favor as well. Hop over to that, that Garage Takes YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button as we continue to try and grow the podcast this season. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, got a couple of big things to get into tonight. We are, we've got to talk Michigan notching their first uh, top 10 win of the season. I mean, we know they haven't played anybody and they played somebody and they look pretty dang good doing it. And then uh, the Lions, Lions move into seven and two over uh, the Chargers in an absolute shootout. Got to get into that as well and preview their games too for uh, this upcoming weekend. But Brant, I want to welcome you in first. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic, Dave. What a weekend of football. It was great. Um, even got some text messages from some Michigan fans, specifically uh, Chad Do Russell. He was like, I cannot wait for this week of garage takes, man. Like He was obviously pumped after the Michigan win over Penn State. I think us as Michigan fans were certainly nervous going into that, Dave. So um, it was just a great weekend. Okay, shout out Chad. Let's go, man. Yeah, we're excited too for the uh for the podcast and Brant. Um look, man, we got to we got to hop right in here and and talk a little bit of Michigan football if you don't mind. The new theme song Brant for Michigan football this year. <laughs> Let's go, man. <laughs> That's my new favorite song. Uh, Michigan saw the signs, uh, regardless of Jim Harbaugh basically being told as uh, as he got off the plane uh, that he was not going to be allowed to coach. And that was just crazy, the timing of all that. Brand. I want to start there real quick before we talk Penn State. Um, Tony Petiti, Big Ten commissioner, given, uh, given Jim the ultimate you-know-what as he suspends uh, Jim for three games while he is in the air on the way to Happy Valley, gets off the plane, gets told, hey, hey, man, you can't coach. They do not get the temporary restraining order in time. Uh, there is a court date set for this Friday. We'll see where that goes. Brant, want to know your thoughts real quick on, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. I want to talk actual Michigan football. Um your thoughts on Tony Petiti, the Big Ten, and uh, just the next the next chapter of this saga with, with uh, Jim Harbaugh and how that all went down. Dave, one of your favorite words that you love to use, a coward. What a coward. Like, Tony Petiti, that is such a coward move. And one of the things that just speaks volumes about him and his character is to do something like that to – a staple in the Big Ten, the program of Michigan. Um, it looks like, hey, when they get in the air, let's just suspend them. So, like, it'll be like, hey, we really stuck it to them. And then I go run back with all my friends and, like, we got him. Like, he kind of pranked them. Like, that's not how business is conducted, man. And if I had to take a guess, Dave, I would say there are probably some real pissed off people that work at Fox right now. 
um, that were very upset with the way that things came down because that's where all of the focus shifted. It went from the football game to all about Jim Harbaugh, the drama series. Like it's becoming uh, like we're watching a 30 for 30 Dave live and go ahead. Brant, Brant, Mark Silverman uh, from Fox is a Michigan alum. Mm -hmm. And this just further damp. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This just further damages right now. Um, that relationship. And I mean, not that that should matter, not that it should come into play, but let's be honest. Uh, when, when that's your, your top customer, anybody in sales will tell you, yeah, you don't let you, you don't want to let that client go. So, uh, things are definitely fractured right now. We said that it was going to get ugly before it got better. And, uh, we're right in the thick of the ugly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's also important to remember Dave that, um, while they, while they played a football game, a lot of the nation was watching to see how things would play out and, and just like who was going to coach for Michigan. And they, they, Michigan was quick to say, Sharon Moore, you're going to be our guy. I think we kind of all felt like if Jim were to leave for the NFL, Sharon would probably get his chance at coaching this team regardless. So I, I think it was pretty clear, like, Hey, this is going to be him. So they had the backup plan, but for it to play out like this, it was embarrassing for the big 10 and, I don't know how you come back to this and just say, Hey, things are cool now. Um, I think that they're probably going to go to negotiations this week, Dave. I'm, I'm going to guess that they're already negotiating to say, Hey, if you sit Maryland, Jim, we'll let you coach Ohio state. And then we'll just kind of let everything settle down. I think that would be best for both parties. I don't know if Michigan has interest in that. If I'm actually Michigan, I'm like, uh, I think we can deal with that. If this is what makes us go away, then we just say, all right, then Jim, you're staying in Michigan for Maryland, and we'll see you at Ohio State. Yeah, I, just based on the way these things have uh, shaken out so far, I'm not expecting Harbaugh on the sidelines this weekend against Maryland. Don't think he necessarily needs to to be there. You definitely look. You mentioned Fox. You mentioned we we talked about some of the big players in this game. Look. You're talking about the biggest game in college football, um, not just like every year, but but this year, too. I mean, these last few years, you're going to likely have undefeated Michigan against undefeated Ohio State here in a couple weeks. Um, people want to see Jim Harbaugh against Ryan Day. And so it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this shakes out. But, Brant, you kind of gave the perfect segue when you mentioned Sharon Moore. And I want to shout out Sharon Moore as he has the same number of top 10 wins as James Franklin. And that would be one. So um, shout out Sharon Moore and getting the job done. And I mean, anybody who caught that post-game speech, who felt the emotion from, from him, what it meant to him, laugh, laugh at it, applaud it, whatever side you're on. The bottom line is, is that that was raw emotion. Um, and look, at the end of the day, and I think this is important for everybody to remember, this, th this whole issue is be, has to do with the adults in the program, okay? It has nothing to do with these kids, with these student athletes, and and, and, and this coaching staff knows that. Sharon Moore knows that. So, sure, he's getting emotional talking about Harbaugh, um, but he's talking about, as he said, and dropping swear words on live television, these guys, 
these guys right here. Um, and it was a special moment. I was super, super happy for him. And um, yeah, James Franklin, once again, spits the bed and can't, can't get it done in a big game. Um, I don't know what else there is to say about that, but Brant, I want to, I mean, Michigan, let, let's talk that game for a second. Michigan runs the ball 32 straight times. They attempt one pass in the second half. That doesn't count because it was a pass interference call to A.J. Barner. And they absolutely squeezed the life out of Penn State. I had mixed emotions. Like watching it live, I was kind of like pulling my hair out. And now as time has sort of passed and settled a little bit, I'm like, oh, I kind of love actually what Michigan just did. Um, and I'll speak to that a little bit more. But, Brant, I want to kick that over to you. Your thoughts on that that Penn State win in Happy Valley. It's funny, Dave. I'm the exact opposite of you. I was very calm during that game because I felt like Sharon was keeping the, keeping the car between the lines, so to speak. Like he wasn't going to do anything to jeopardize this game. And I felt like if we just forced Penn State to go the length of the field, if we made Drew Aller make passes, I felt very comfortable where we were at. So Penn State was doing something very stupid in the third and fourth quarters running the football every single time, every, what was the Tennessee? It was like 90% run on first down, 80% run on second down. And then on third down, they would throw the ball. So I felt very comfortable in the fact that we were running the ball so much. Penn state was playing right into our hands. You're wasting the clock just as much as we are. You're letting this game just slip away from you. And, and we were completely okay with that as Michigan fans. I would, I would think, um, so, Dave, it was a run-out-the-clock situation there in the second half. It was, hey, J.J., don't put the ball in the air because these edges are coming off, you know, these edges are coming right down the pipe, and they are going to crush you. And you saw it on the first couple of drives, and then we didn't see it again because we didn't allow him to do it again. Sharon Moore had a great game plan. And I'm not going to – I do want to touch quickly on the Sharon Moore post-game thing. Uh, people were comparing it to Ryan Day saying the same thing. Well, Ryan Day had to go tell people he's not soft. And when you do that, that typically means that you're soft. It's like when you tell people you're really strong and then you bench 200 pounds and you're like, see, I told you I'm really, really strong. Cool, bro. Um, for Sharon Moore, this would be the equivalent of, to me, Dave, having the biggest job interview of your life. The company is depending on you type situation. And if you blow it, everybody's going to look at you and be like, man, this is kind of your fault that the company just fell apart and your future doesn't look bright here. I mean, that is so much pressure to have on you <laughs> that you might just bust out and cry too, that you just saved everyone's jobs. Like your boss now can, can like pat you on the back and be like, great job. So I think there was just so much pressure in that moment that he let loose um, back to the football though. So I, I think the second half was just indicative of, hey, let's just run this clock as fast as we can and get on the bus and get out of town or get on the plane and get back home because Drew Aller and that offense is not going to beat us. And so they played it perfectly, Dave. I don't know what you thought about it, but – well, so real, real quick before I let you go. Um, so I said I was the opposite of you. That Now I'm kind of pulling my hair out, Dave, because – I feel like we left a lot of meat on the bone still. Like the more I think about it and the more I kind of analyze it, I feel like we should have been able to do some different things, whether it be quicker routes or set JJ back there on, on a three, four, five step drop and let him sling it. I don't know, Dave. I, I feel like there was probably some more there. Well, I'll be honest. I was 
I was getting super upset because I'm like, play action, please. Like let it's got to work at this point. And I, and I saw Carson Barnhart get burnt by chop, just like you did, just like everybody did early on in that game where it was like, okay, this isn't working. And I do want to come back to that at some point, because I think that's something worth talking about is pass protection, especially Carson Barnhart in particular. I'm not trying to, to kill the kid right now, but it was not, was not good. And it, it was not looking good early on at all. Um, and JJ made some plays with his legs and all of that. But I mean, man, he threw it, he threw it eight times. But in that moment, Brent, like watching the game, I'm like, please just throw the ball. Like you, it's going to be there if you play action. But Michigan just, they didn't need to. They literally, I know I joke and play, I saw the sign. But Brant, look. They literally marched their offense out onto the field and said, Penn State, we're going to run the football. We're going to put seven people, eight people here on the line, and we're going to dare you to stop us. And we're going to do it 32 times in a row. And that's exactly what they did. And the more I think about it, I'm like, wow, you talk about the ultimate just like dominant performance. No, was it some crazy air raid offense? Did they absolutely blow out Penn State? No, the scoreboard doesn't show it. But Brant, you want to talk about a dominating win? They literally said, here's our play. We're inviting you to stop us. And they went and won the game in Happy Valley at noon. Top 10 win. It was huge. It was absolutely huge. And... I know James Franklin doesn't have any hair to pull out, but if he did, he better be pulling that hair out because he James Franklin again. And, you know, he talked about how good this Penn State defense was the, you know, he's called them the best defense in the country. And Brant, I'll be honest, watching that game, he's not that far off. That Penn State defense is really, really good. Um, I think that says a lot about this offense and, the one question that I've had, and we even talked about, I think on the last episode is I'm concerned about the run game. Like, why is this not can't get going yet? And we're nine games in at that point. And what did Michigan do? They went back to what's got them here over these last two, two and a half years. And that's running the football. Um, and so, yeah, my concern a little bit about the pass protection. I am. I also know that this is a very very good Penn State defense with a first-round draft pick. A um, couple of guys actually on that D-line that are really, really good. If there's one thing that I've learned from this offense this year, they can throw the football. Because, Brant, that's really what's been their bread and butter all year. So now that they're back to running the football well, and Donovan Edwards kind of had a couple of his moments, and Blake Corum is out there with the split forehead, blood dripping down his face in a post-game interview, like, okay, Michigan's arrived. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, Dave, I took a little bit of solace in the middle of the second quarter, end of the second quarter. You know, you start going for it on fourth down in your own territory or at the 50-yard line when the score is only 14-3. to three, You kind of feel like they're already grasping for straws. They're fighting for their life already. And, I mean, I will give James Franklin this, and a lot of people crap on him. He did play to win. He was playing for keeps, and I got to respect that. Calling a Philly special on a fourth and four, I mean, that, you know, that that takes guts. And, and to his credit, he got it, and Drew Aller let him down the field and with the QB scramble. I mean, that team did not quit. So for people saying, well, Penn State's not really that good, shut up. 
shut up because that's a bad take. Like Penn State is a good football team. They are a quarterback away. There's no doubt about that. But if you let Drew Aller, you give him the time, you know, he, he can probably cook you. Like I have seen him play okay enough. But Dave, I've been on Drew Aller all year. If you get to him, he will not beat you. I feel the same way about Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord is a good quarterback. He can make throws, but you cannot give him time. If he gets time, he's got one of the best weapons in the nation. He will beat you. Like it's it's nothing special about these guys, but they they will get you if you allow them. There's a lot of Cade McNamara vibes flying around the Big Ten right now, and JJ is just a notch above. And I think you saw that. Um, you know, Dave, with the with the run game ability from JJ, and that's what people, you know, they're they're kind of underplaying what JJ did with his legs. It's third and ten; they need to put a drive together, and they call QB power. Now, that's something I haven't seen from Michigan. I don't know if ever. That's not something that they well, Denard Robinson days, but that's not something that's in the Jim Hard playbook. That's an Urban Meyer playbook like situation there, Dave. And so they call it, it's ran beautifully and JJ's out there and there's a big first down. So uh, this, this offense is mixing it up and JJ's legs. I mean, he played it perfectly on a Saturday. Brant, speaking of, of JJ real quick, what other quarterback is competing for the Heisman? And, and you can argue JJ's probably not anymore at this point, but he's been in the Heisman conversation. Whether you agree or disagree, he has been. Um, go in and play your biggest game of the year, and they let you throw the ball eight times. Super conservative game plan. Run it 32 times in a row. I can't say that enough. And who is sprinting and celebrating with fans and teammates after that game, like screaming, fired up? I've I. I don't even know if I've seen JJ that fired up. That's JJ McCarthy in a nutshell right there. That's true leadership. It's what this, you know, I, I know it's a, a Michigan cliche, but the, that no one man is bigger than the team. I just feel like there's the face of the team and he embodies it. I just thought that that was awesome. I haven't heard anybody talk about that, but I noticed that I'm like, man, that was pretty, pretty cool. It's not about JJ. And, and he knows that. Um, Brant, Go ahead. You, you have something to add there? Yeah, I just I, I did see that the Iowa fans were thinking that this offense was revolutionary. I did see that. <laughs> they thought exactly. eight, eight passes. My goodness. You guys are really right. airing it out. <laughs> you guys are this is an air raid offense. Yeah, yeah. Um Brant, I also I I guess my question to you to to wrap up this Michigan segment, and we don't have to talk a ton about Maryland. Not that I want to gloss over them, but we can talk about them a little bit more in the in the betting segment when we give our takes on that. Um, this Michigan team is there any uh, anything that gives you pause for concern right now um, in terms of being? Let's just stick with the Big Ten and winning this thing and beating Ohio State. After watching this game, I mean. We've heard about the schedule all year long. They go in, they get it done in a dominant fashion. Might not be how some people wanted to see it. It was dominant, though. Um, wasn't a perfect game by any means. Anything that's giving you cause for concern, or do you feel like this team is it right now? Like they just need to keep doing what they're doing and stay healthy, and they're going to go in and into Ann Arbor here in two weeks and, and dominate Ohio State or beat Ohio State. Yeah, Dave, I, I do have some concerns defensively. Um, you know, getting off the getting off the field on certain plays, uh, you know, 
we talked about it with Penn State. They convert two fourth downs and they're moving the ball and they're they're scoring. That does concern me. Um, we went zero coverage basically. Uh, man across the board on the on the fourth and uh, I can't remember what it was. Maybe five. Uh, you know they they run a out route and they're able to hit him. We're not able to get to the quarterback in time. And you know it, it it's just an out route and it beats us. So it's just Dave. There are timely plays for this defense, and I would like to see them get off the field at a little bit of a higher rate. And I mean, we're being picky here. I understand that. The secondary left a little bit to be desired. I thought Will Johnson had a much better second half than he did the first half. Um, You know, he got called for a couple PIs, uh, and they were kind of picking on Will. I was a little bit surprised that they were going after him. Um, The fade to the corner of the end zone, he actually just drops that ball. He... He will kind of got beat on that and that corner fade. And if you don't think that Marvin Harrison is going to run a couple of those, you're sadly mistaken. I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to get Will Johnson following around Marvin Harrison wherever he goes. So I, I am a little bit worried about Will Johnson right now against the matchup with Marvin Harrison. But again, we're being a little bit nitpicky. I, I don't think overall I am concerned about too much right now. Fair enough. Um, my, my only thing that I'm concerned about, and you're right, we are nitpicking, uh, but I think it's been kind of a concern all year long is is the offensive line. It's a good offensive line. It's not a great offensive line, and um, they were supposed to be great. We know that they won the Joe Moore Award the last two years. They're definitely not going to win it this year, um, but the O-line is just they're good. They're good enough. They are, they, they are good enough. I do believe that. Um, but protecting JJ is going to be huge. And uh, although they ran the ball um, all, all over Penn state, Brandt, they're talking, tossing seven, eight guys up there. I mean, that's cool. It was great, but man, I, I'm really, I'm really wondering this starting five that they're, uh, they're tossing out there. And I'm wondering if they make any changes here, if this is it. And if this is it, Man, they they've got to improve here in this game against uh, Maryland in this upcoming weekend to get ready for Ohio State. Uh, but we will come back to Michigan when we talk in the betting segment. I want to shift into the Detroit Lions. Brant Lions in an absolute shootout with Justin Herbert and the Chargers got a very very exciting win. I don't know how you don't talk about Dan Campbell. Fourth and two, minute and a half to go, tie ball game. And I don't remember if they're on like the 30 or 31. I I forget where they're at, but they're definitely in field goal range. And what does Dan do? Goes against every analytic out there and says, well, we're not stopping this Chargers offense that just scored five touchdowns in a row on us. We're going to go for it. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Like, cause that is, that is the type of call that when it doesn't go well, you're like, this game is on Dan Campbell. That's why we lost. But Brant, they didn't lose because it worked. They got the first down. They milked the clock all the way down. Boom. Runoff field goal. Riley Patterson for the win. Your Detroit Lions, seven and two, right in the thick of the NFC, top of the NFC. And man, what an exciting game. Your quick takeaways before we do a little segment here and run through um, an important topic, I think. Dave, uh, what was <laughs> I thought was very important was last week I had actually said what was my most impressive thing about the Lions? Maybe I said it was the kicking game. And then what happens? Bradley Patterson trots out for a game winning field goal. Fantastic call by me. 
Um, just a great job there. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, eat a little humble pie there, man. <laughs> no, but uh, no, fantastic call by Dan Campbell. And I think everybody was in the same boat. Like, you got up off your couch and you're like, okay, this is it. Dan, what do you got? And you saw what had happened the last five drives. So it was a great call. Um, great play call too. And it's just those types of things, Dave, that I do worry about in the future. I know we're going to talk about the future of the Lions in a playoff game when everything's on the line. Are you making that call? Are you playing for overtime? I I don't know, Dave. It's just, it's one of those calls where it works in the regular season. Great, but you miss it in the postseason, And it's like, well, there goes our divisional round type of deal. So, um, that's where I'm at with it. I think you got to embrace it at this point. It's going to drive you crazy. Um, and maybe in a really big moment, but look, Dan Campbell is who he is. Love him or hate him. I know most, most people, if not everybody loves, loves them some Dan Campbell, but he just is who he is, man. He is going to, I even said, man, like I am Dan Campbell. Like he is who he is, man. He's going to go for it. He is, uh, He's going to roll the dice. He's confident in what his guys are going to do. And, I mean, man, if you're an offensive player, a quarterback, you know, Jared Goff and those guys just absolutely love it. They got a coach that's like, no, 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 stay on the field. We're going for this. I thought it was gutsy. It got him the win. The Chargers have a very, very good offense. They Sure, there's some concerns on the defense, absolutely, and maybe we'll get into that. But a win is a win at SoFi Stadium, and you're seven and two, which leads me into Brant. We have got to talk now about the Lions on top of the NFC. Now, I know the Eagles are in front of them right now, but I want to say scratch the the NFC North conversation. Brant, I'm calling it. We're winning it. It's done. It's over. It's over with. I know the Vikings are surging right now. Lions are going to win the NFC North. Confident in saying that. Very confident. There are two teams. You could argue three if you want to throw the Cowboys in there. Um, I'm not going to throw the Cowboys in there. The Eagles and the 49ers and the Lions. Though those are your three teams right now, with with the with the Cowboys kind of flirting around that as well. I'm looking at the remaining schedule. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty favorable if you're a Lions fan. We talked about their remaining schedule recently, but I started after they go to seven and two. Getting to seven and two in this league is not easy at all. I don't care how easy your schedule is. Getting to seven and two is not easy. They're there. They're through the the hardest part of their schedule. And I'm going to read you, Brant. So let's start with the 49ers. I know they've got three losses, right? So you got the Niners with three losses. The Lions right there with two, the Eagles with one. Well, the Eagles play the Chiefs this weekend, so there's a, an upcoming game here that's going to be big for them. But we'll start with the 49ers, Brant. So they're already a game behind the Lions. Their remaining schedule, Bucks, Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks, Cardinals, Ravens, Commanders, Rams. Seahawks twice at Philly. They got to play the Ravens. And the Cardinals That's, now have Kyler Murray back. And the Card- good this. You got it. Good. <laughs> he looked pretty good this weekend. 
You got it, man. And, and look, that is not that's not a cakewalk. It's not um, by by any means. And then I and then I went over and I looked at the Eagles' remaining schedule. You want to talk about a gauntlet? Well, it starts this weekend. They got to travel to Arrowhead. They got to play at the Chiefs. They play the Bills, the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Giants. I'm just looking at their next five games, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, Seahawks. It's a gauntlet. It's an absolute gauntlet. I look at the, I look at the Lions' remaining schedule. Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears, Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. You can argue the end of that schedule is sounding a little bit more challenging now as uh, Josh Dobbs seems to be a kind of a cool story and the, the Vikings look pretty good. They'll get Justin Jefferson back, but Brant, out of those three schedules right there and you know you're neck and neck, Eagles got you by one game right now. Am I crazy? Talk me off a talk me off the cliff here, or are you with me in saying, forget the NFC North conversation? We should be talking about the Lions playing for the number one seed, and I cannot stress how important that would be. I cannot stress it enough to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, leading into the Super Bowl is huge. You would have to beat the Lions at Ford Field in the playoffs. Right, the preseason Lions this year felt like the playoffs. Ford Field would be insane. I'm not saying that that's a done deal. That you know people can't win there. They can. We know that. But that is huge if the Lions get that. Do you think that there's a real chance that they can be the number one seed? Because I do, and I'm dead serious. I'm not just being a no, no, no guys trying to pump people up. I think the eyes should be set on the number one seed. Your thoughts? Well, obviously, they're set on the one seed. This team is going for the one seed. But, yeah, no, Dave, I think realistically, as a fan, you should you should be now expecting the one seed. I'll even change it. I'll, I'll up the ante, Dave. I'll say you should be expecting it uh, from this Lions team at this point with that schedule. However, you have discounted the Cowboys. I am going to put the Cowboys back in the ring because – Guess what, Dave? They have a head-to-head opportunity against the Lions. So if it comes down to both these teams are 13-4, and well, then the Cowboys will get the nod. And don't act like the Cowboys' schedule is much tougher than the Lions. Two games against the Commanders. They get the Seahawks at home. I understand they go to Miami, and they, they I think they go to Buffalo maybe. but And then they get Philly at home. So I, I don't – while it is tougher, it is tougher than the Lions schedule. I don't think two games against the Commanders is out of the realm of possibility for them to win. And then they get the Panthers, right? They get the Panthers this weekend. That's an auto dub. Um, so, Dave, I just also feel like the two games against the Vikings that Lions fans might be glossing over a little bit. The Vikings are going to bring it. I mean, Josh Dobbs is for real, uh, as for real as a backup quarterback kind of stepping into that role can be, but he is a serviceable quarterback. Um, and the, and the Vikings are playing well right now. And we all know going to Minnesota is no easy task. So, um, and, and maybe Justin Fields plays this weekend, Dave, I don't know what his availability is. He seems to be questionable every week, whatever that means. Um, and we'll get into that in the betting segment. I know for sure, but I will just say this. 
I will put the Cowboys back in. I do not like the 49ers. Something tells me that Brock Purdy is a pumpkin. I don't believe in him. Um, I think that defense is obviously for real, but I think that Brock Purdy is going to cost them a couple games. Their schedule is tougher than both what I think the Cowboys and Lions are. Now, Philly, they're Philly. That team is going to probably win 12 or 13 games, but I think they still have to go to Dallas. That worries me a little bit. Um, that game against Kansas city this weekend in Arrowhead tough spot. Also J- Jalen hurts is questionable as well. I, I don't know if everybody's just questionable at this point or what, but it is screwing with my fantasy mind. <laughs> it's screwing my fantasy lineup It's screwing with me in, in every fantasy realm. Uh, but I did see that he's questionable. And if Jalen hurts misses any times, this Eagles team is in a bad way. I don't think that this is an Eagles team that can survive without Jalen hurts. We saw what it looked like at the end of last year. Yeah, no, they can, they cannot. Um, yeah, I, everybody's questionable this time of year, Brant. And and I, I know we'll talk uh, Lions and Bears in the betting segment, but um, Justin Fields is set to start this weekend. So that that definitely will add a add an element here. Brant, b- before we do get into that, though, I want a twofold thing. If we are talking about the Lions at the end of the year being the number one seed, what is the number one reason why? And on the flip side of that, if they're not, if they drop a couple of games that we're not expecting, or they, you know, they split with Minnesota, and I don't know, the wheels fall off a little bit. Why is that? So I want to know both sides of it. Dan going for it on fourth down on his own thirty-yard line, like multiple times. No, Dave, I think. And you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna reach for the low-hanging fruit here. I'm not just gonna say injuries because that's that's the easy way out. I think it's Jared Goff not playing high level football. I think that could really affect this team. And somebody brought up a good point that I was listening to uh, something that was like, you know, people talk about Jared Goff, this and that, but cold outside Jared Goff. Do we remember what that looks like? Kind of, you know, December Jared Goff. Like I know we're getting nitpicky again, Dave, but that is a real concern for me. Um, If this team has to go on the road in any sort of, like, if they have to go to Philly in January, do you worry about Jared Goff in that spot not being great throwing the ball and just kind of, hey, they're keying in on the run, this offensive line struggling a little bit, and now all of a sudden we can't hit Amon Ra wide open? Like, that does concern me a tad, Dave. And I, I just think that, Jared Goff has everybody in the palm of his hand right now. And if he starts to get a little shaky, people might turn on him a little bit, but we haven't seen any of that. And I don't want to put that into the air really, but I would say that's something that I'm looking for that this season could churn a little bit. If Jared Goff starts to take a little bit of a downslide. Okay. Um, What about if, if things are going well and they get the number one seed, what's the storyline? Yeah, I think it's this defense, Dave. Um, that they're they're able to get enough pressure, that they're they're able to get enough turnovers. Um, you know, this this defense has been it's been good. Like it's it's been good, it's been timely. The Chargers game was full of lapses. It was full of bad plays. Um and, and I think that is a bit of a concern going forward. But again, the offenses that you're facing down the rest of the season, Dave. Not very good. 
Um, so, so I think it has more to do with the secondary, the, the defensive line, just, just doing enough to, to be good. Maybe not great, but good. Top 15 good. I think if things go well for this team, the 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 storyline is this is legitimately a top five offense. We know it's an offensive league. We all we also know that that um, offense doesn't necessarily win you win you a Super Bowl. We know that the defense has got. So to your point, Brent, yeah, I think the defense has got to be humming along or holding their own. Um, but right now, the Lions' best defense is their offense. If that makes sense. Um, I watched this game this past weekend and was blown away um, with the Chargers. To watch the Lions, we we know the defense struggled, but to watch their offense go blow for blow, punch for punch, like they can hold their own. You got Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery back there, um, and when that offensive line is healthy, Brand, I even think if Jared Goff regresses a, just even a hair, I think they're built to last. I really do. I think this offense, like I'm really, really bought into this offense being the real deal. Like, I don't know, hot take, but like Kansas City real. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I do. I think that this offense is is for real. And on the flip side, if we're talking about them kind of falling off a little bit, not locking up the one seed or whatever, something goes wrong at the end of the year. I think that it is this defense. I do have concerns that they're not getting home on the quarterback. I've got concerns that Hutch is not getting home. I know we keep kind of glossing over it and, you know, QB pressures are good. I, they're great. We love that. They've got to get some sacks because I, I just don't trust this secondary right now, um, especially these quarterbacks can, that can buy themselves time back there in the pocket or, or skate outside a little bit. I have real, real questions about this defense being able to hold up. And unfortunately, I am feeling like that top 10 defense that we saw for so long, um, we saw them get absolutely torched against the Chargers, absolutely torched against the Ravens. I mean, these are good quarterbacks, but it worries me. It worries me. And I think that we may... If if things go off the rails a little bit, we're talking about a defense that's more like just outside top fifteen level. I think I think that's the the storyline. If uh, if things go wrong here, Brandon, did you have something to chime in here before we get into the bets? Yeah, about the um, about the top three offense, Dave. I do have a, a kind of a question for you for that. Does that have anything to do with Jamison Williams or not? Or are you just placing him to the side right now and saying he doesn't exist? Jamison Williams is impacting the game in a way I didn't expect to ever talk about him impacting the game, which is him doing the little things, which we know is important to to Dan Campbell and this coaching staff. I'm looking at Jamo's blocking right now more than than him scoring touchdowns or being a, a downfield threat. I think Brand. I think he plays a huge part. They need Jamo to play a, a huge part here. They, he's got to continue to gain the trust of Jared Goff. And when you do the little things like he did this past Sunday against the Chargers, even with with the touchdown getting called back, um, yeah, I think that 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 is a key storyline. If he is contributing, and you can contribute to an offense in a lot of different ways. And look, 
Amon Ross St. Brown, same type of wide receiver. If your wide receivers are getting or are willing to block like those guys are, we already know who Sam Laporta appears to be. Like, yeah, man, I just think that all these pieces are are coming together nicely. And I just want to say it one more time before we shift into the betting segment. The Lions are absolutely in the run for the number one seed. I'm I'm shifting the goalposts here. And and you know, my goalposts have been like all along. I'm like, nope, NFC North hosting a playoff game. They're gonna win a playoff game. Like I've been saying that for months. I'm shifting my goalposts even more. I think that they are absolutely in the conversation. As I look at the remaining schedules here of these top teams, the Lions have a real chance to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And I am absolutely here for it. I'm not saying they're not gonna lose a couple games. They most definitely will. Brant, it's the NFL. We know how this league works, and that's okay. Um, but yeah, I'm uh I'm I'm fully in on Dan Campbell and the Lions. Go for it. And as Dan Campbell told me, wear a diaper from now on, watching him uh call call play. So on that note, Brant, shift us into the bets. All right, Dave. Let's start with big noon kickoff. Michigan traveling to uh College Park to take on Maryland. 19 and a half for the Terps at home. I'll take Michigan to cover 19 and a half. Um, Maryland just lost to Nebraska, didn't they? 13 to, 13 to 10. Thought so. Okay. I am not worried about Maryland, and maybe I will eat those words because Maryland has historically given uh, Michigan a, a run for their money, at least early on. But I'm confident in this Michigan team. Um, I think that they are going to just continue to to roll with Jim Harbaugh or without him. I think they cover 19 and a half. What about you? Dave, I take this at like 31 and a half. I just, I don't, I think Maryland's given up. I don't know if they're making a bowl. They know they're not beating Michigan, I feel like. So I I just think that they lay down and kind of just are there. They're there for the after-game snacks. I don't know. Um, we'll see. Uh, so Washington, this to me is the game of the weekend, Dave. Uh, the Huskies traveling to Corvallis to take on the Beavers. Uh, Oregon State favored at home by two and a half. Weirdest line of the week. Weirdest yeah, line of the I, year? I, I saw that. Yeah, it's very – Vegas knows something that we do not – this is a good Oregon State team, first of all. The Beavers are, are a good team. Um, I feel like every every uh, ounce of my body says to pick Washington because it just seems like a weird line. Then, man – I'm going to take Oregon State to cover two and a half. I know it feels weird to say that. I feel like Vegas knows something here, and I think this may be the weekend that uh, Washington falls. It's going to be a close game. Brant, this could be a field goal type of a win, but I think Oregon State's going to get it done. Just got that feeling. What about you? Dave, I am going to roll with you with Oregon State. I I also feel that way. I think that this is, oddly enough, a low-scoring game. I understand that Washington has NFL receivers, but if all you do is throw the ball, then you go three and out and you give the chance to Oregon State to move the ball on the ground, grind the clock, take the ball away from you basically. So I will go with the Beavs at home. Um, Let's go with uh, Thursday night football. Cincinnati heading to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. 
John Harbaugh's Ravens favored by three and a half at home. Uh, AFC leader in the clubhouse right now, Dave, I believe. The Ravens? Yeah, I think they're the best team in the uh, AFC right now, record-wise. Or the Chiefs, right? I, I it's the, one of the two. Yeah, I think the, the Chiefs maybe are, are, are the top team. The Ravens did lose to the Browns this past weekend. Oh, um, that's right, yes. But okay. they, yeah, but, but man, I mean, this Ravens team is really, really good. Um, this is a divisional game. I think these kind of games are always going to be close, but I'm going to take the Bengals plus three and a half here. I am. I I, th- I think this game's going to be kind of eerily similar. Now the Bengals do not have the the same defense that the Browns have, but I think it's going to be that type of of dogfight right until the end here. I will take the Bengals plus three and a half. What about you? Uh, same. I like the Bengals in this spot. I think they're kind of bouncing back a little bit. Um, give me the Bengals. Uh, all right, Bears at Lions. Lions favored by eight and a half. Coming yeah, back I'll take, home. I'll take the Lions covering eight and a half. I know Justin Fields is back. Um, might cause some problems, and he also might turn the ball over. I just can see a Kirby Joseph pick six here. I don't know. Um, eight and a half is a lot of points in the NFL. I like the Lions here. What about you? I like the Bears uh, for the reasons that you just said. Eight and a half is a lot of points. Coming back home, I don't know. Divisional game, Dave, low scoring. 16-10 feels right. 17-10 is fine. I I like the eight and a half there. So, all right, Dave, Eagles at Chiefs. Game of the weekend pretty much. I believe this is Monday night football. Uh, it's either Monday night or Sunday night. Anyway, Chiefs favored by two and a half. Chiefs are favored by two and a half. I'm guessing that line has something to do with it. Brant, I've got to ask, is Taylor Swift going to be in attendance? <laughs> yeah. TBD, TBD. Okay. Stay tuned. Well, I don't feel comfortable betting on this game until I know if she's going to be there or not, but I will for the sake of the podcast. Um, I am going to take the Chiefs to cover two and a half just because I want the Eagles to lose so bad. Um I want to be able to just go on the record and say I, I wanted the Chiefs covering two and a half. I think it's going to be a really good game, um, potential Super Bowl. This is this is the rematch here, but um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Chiefs. What about you? Yeah, Dave, I'm gonna take the Eagles. Um, I just the Chiefs have not been super impressive to me. They've been okay. They they seem to go about their business, but they have not been doing things the way that. I don't know. They've been good, not great. And the Eagles are a good football team. Like, I think the Eagles, if they want to run the ball, they can do that. If they want to throw the ball, they can do that. I just think that the Eagles also have a better defense than the Chiefs. So, there you go. Yeah, that's fair. Although, I will say, Brant, the Chiefs' defense have been the staple of their team this year. But, Which is but, odd to say. Yeah. Um, but they also play in the AFC West, where we all know – just a bunch of Russell Wilson and Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Let's so. ride. All yeah, right. Right. All right. On, on that note, thanks for sticking with us here on Garage Takes. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. If you are watching us over on YouTube on the Garage Takes channel, make sure you hit that subscribe button and share out the podcast as well. We greatly appreciate your support, and we will catch you all next week as we will be heavily, heavily talking about Michigan, Ohio State.
by Riverside.